Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I'm joined today by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda, and happy Global Running Day. Hi, Sarah. It is indeed. I almost forgot about it, but um, (laughs) social media won't let you forget either, so it's everywhere. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, So did you run on Global Running Day today? I did. I started with a short swim and then went on to run. Yes. Oh, nice. Yes. Where do you swim? Well, right now I'm swimming outdoors 100%, which I just, oh my gosh, I just love. We, That's um, heavenly. It really is. And uh-huh. the, the town that I live in, we have 23 outdoor pools. Oh. And, so, and uh, yeah, and they open a couple of them for first thing in the morning for, for lap swimming. And so I just, I just absolutely love it. And then it kills me in the fall when I have to go back indoors. 23 outdoor pools. I, yeah. I, I would venture to say there might not be 23 outdoor lap swimmable pools in the entire state of Oregon. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I got to swim outdoors when I was in Maryland last weekend when I went to Zuma Annapolis. My best friend from high school, Courtney, lives in Somerset, which is, um, I guess it's its own little town within Chevy Chase. And so they have um, a Somerset pool that is like such a close walk from her house I mean I don't know it's two and a half minutes to the pool you know from her front door to the pool side itself so so I took a red eye and did not fall did not take a nap when I got to her house and when the pool opened at one o'clock there I was swimming laps outdoors under the sun seeing the leaves and the trees and oh it's just glorious so nice yes I agree yeah so then did you just then right from the pool put on shoes and go running or no, um, because I, I swam first, had to come home, get the kids out the door, and then I ran. So, yeah. Wow, that's dedication to, to you know, crank it back up again. Yeah, well, it's it's fun. I, 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 I like to, you know, get out with both activities. So, um, uh-huh. yeah. I, and it's qu- like the, the kids are in and out, you know, at this age, they're up and out the door so quickly. So it's not like it's a huge break. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sort of leads into our topic, which we'll get to in a little bit, but you know, about how to balance a training plan and mixing things in like swimming, because that's definitely one of my thoughts, because I'm going to get to be able to go swimming outdoors, but in a pond slash former quarry um, pretty soon. I realized this morning, I'm like, oh, maybe it's warm enough now. I don't know. So um yeah 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 so but let's first hear um you told me that you got an assignment based on something you heard about on the podcast (laughs) that's right uh you had michelle olson on a while back talking about strength training yeah and she mentioned gyrotonic technique which i'm not going to say gyrotonics because that's incorrect it's gyrotonic technique very good Um, okay yes and i was intrigued and so started kind of delving into it and um, thought this might be something fun to write about. So um, I spoke with Michelle and um, and some of the folks who uh, are associated with gyrotonic technique, and um, I'm writing an article on it for the Washington Post. Fabulous. So, and then are you getting to partake in a gyrotonic technique class? Yes, they, t- they told me I could go down. Um, so there aren't any really super close to me. There are 14 in oh. the dc area mm-hmm. um but they're all much closer to dc and again i you and i've talked about this it's not the it's not the distance it's the traffic between here and there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so i've got to find the convenient time to go down and do it because i would like to um try it out because it sounds oh for sure yeah. yeah yeah because i have to say i was really intrigued by it when michelle mentioned it on the podcast so uh, i've gone as far as googling to find that there are perhaps not surprisingly a lot of gyrotonic technique 
um, studios here in Portland because I, you know, all all trends start on the West Coast, and um, also just it seems um, um, it would it be accurate to say slightly fringy. So and um, and we like our fringy things here. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep Portland weird. We're doing That's our part. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so from what you've learned, so gyrotonic technique involves kind of circular movements, right? So thinking of your body kind of as a gyroscope. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the whole foundation of it is that we don't move in a linear fashion. We, you know, move in all these different planes, and you know, things like Pilates, while they are fabulous, are all in, it's all taught and you move in one plane and so gyrotonic is more about you know moving in all kinds of directions and planes and kind of opening up your joints and, mm-hmm. and your hips and so that so that at the end of the day you are able to walk more naturally you know we all have these mm-hmm. restrictions from sitting at desks and on computers and phones and everything and whatnot all day and this is kind of to kind of fights against that and restores us back to a more natural state so Sounds kind of hokey, but I think it sounds also pretty cool. Um, I think it sounds exactly what my aging body needs. Yeah. And and this this woman that I spoke to today from from, um, Gyrotonic, she is a runner and um, Mm -hmm. she said it and she's, you know, in her 40s and she said it's just been life changing for her as a runner. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, you know, she'd had all these injuries and, you know, on and on. And it's just really restored her to a more balanced self and she seems to be able to handle the mileage much better so oh wow Ooh, yeah. that that sounds very appealing absolutely all right, all right. well i'm gonna i'm gonna look that up so so as i mentioned i was in your fair state yes. last week and i'm sorry that we didn't get to um see each other yeah. but um we'll see each other at the retreat absolutely. um so, so tell me about your time here yeah so um so spent time with courtney the best friend from uh, originally from connecticut and uh, who I see every year when I go out for Zuma. It's um, one of the many perks of my jobs is I get to um, see friends all around the country um, for, on the pretense of business. So um, so then um, went to Annapolis, which is such a lovely city, and um, got to meet Tamara Keith from NPR, who was a guest on this show. And, um, and also I got to emcee the race, which was just a ton of fun. And then uh, usually I um, go back then and see Courtney, but she was, um, long story, she was, it seemed as if she wasn't going to be in town that weekend. So I spent a night in D.C. because usually I don't get to sightsee. Like sometimes Courtney and I will go into the city for dinner, but we don't, you know, go see the Jefferson Monument or, you know, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial or something like that. Yeah. So um, so Phoebe from New Hampshire, who's a longtime bammer, came down uh, to help at Zuma and to hang. And so we spent uh, Saturday night in D.C. And then um, so we went on this 10-mile run. Nice. The the first long run of the um, uh, crush it crush the distance plan that you did up for a marathon in Train Like a Mother Club, and so ten miles easy. So um, we t- interpreted that to mean that we got to stop at all the monuments and <laughs> walk up the steps to the um, Lincoln Memorial, and you know pause and really reflect the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, which. Um, it's so so moving. I've seen it many times, and it just never fails to really literally stop me in my tracks. Yeah. And um, so, oh, and we yeah went all around the mall and 
went and saw the Capitol and the White House. And so that was a ton of fun. And then Phoebe had to go off and um, head to the airport. And so then I had um, uh, hooked up with a friend from college who we were rowers together at Colgate and Meg. And I just adore Meg. And so she was thoughtful enough to come in and pick me in my huge bags because I had some leftover merch from uh, the Zuma Expo. Um, Pick me up in the city and we went out. She lives in Bethesda. And so her family is uh, are members of this private island, which is in the Potomac, and she just calls it the island, and like just banish any thoughts of swankiness that you have because it is completely the definition of rustic and bucolic, and just homespun and like a, a a walk back in time it was amazing and so we headed there it was five minutes from our house in Bethesda and you park and you walk on this trail and then you cross this bridge that goes over the CNO trail which is that incredibly long I guess it's like a 185 mile trail that goes from Georgetown all the way to like West Virginia right. and yeah and it's um so beautiful and so then keep walking keep walking and then you get to this very um it's, it's part of the Potomac, but it's just, it's very narrow because it's what divides the Maryland shore between this island that we were headed to. And she rings this bell and there's this rope across to the island and Joe, the, um, the, um, groundskeeper or whatever comes out and there is a pull ferry that he pulls, you know, on a rope across the little spit of the river there and so we hop onto that, like we're like modern day Huck Finn almost. And, and he pulls us back to the island. And it is just so charming. There is nothing fancy. It is, you know, there's a couple um, barbecue things. Um, there is a little um, screened in porch that has maybe like, I don't know, ping pong. And there is horseshoes. And it's just like grassy and there's a ton of trees. And then on the other side, and it's not very wide, maybe it's mm, three blocks wide or something. On the other side, there's a, a swimming dock that has a little kid's slide off of it. And then, you know, then there's the Potomac. And then across there is Virginia. And so we each got a kayak that, you know, you can get kayaks and um, or canoes. And so then we got to kayak on the Potomac and there was no one out there. Wow. And, and it was just this beautiful sunny day and you know Meg and I know each other from rowing so it felt very natural to have an oar in our hand and be plying the water mm-hmm. and I mean I was just in heaven it was it, I mean I just couldn't stop thanking her and telling her that I felt like I was in Nirvana I mean it was amazing it was amazing and so yeah. have you ever have you ever heard of this place not at all it must be a very little known secret yeah, and so, and I mean, it costs, I think membership, it's annual membership is, is like less than $500. And, you know, I mean, you could go there, it's close enough where you could go there like after work and, you know, just sit there with your feet in the river and have a beer or something. I mean, wonderful. Or have, you know, Meg says they have people out to dinner out there and, um, you know, and just to be able to kayak. And because to me, so many times a, a city has a river in it. And it's just not utilized. Yes. You, you know, it's just like, oh, it's something you got to drive over. Is the bridge going to be up or down? And and um, so to be able to actually get out on the water, I'm a Pisces. And so I just adore water. Yeah, that is so cool. And, and I mean, did you see any other people out there or just So guys? there was one gentleman who was lounging in a, in a hammock. And then when we got back from kayaking, there was a dad with his two sons who were going to go out as well. 
Um, And oh my gosh, the most crazy thing, as we're going across on the ferry, Joe, the, you know, groundskeeper or whatever, um, he's like, oh my gosh. And he sees this this fish that has another fish sticking out of its mouth, but that has obviously gotten stuck in its mouth. So Joe grabs it and they both seem to be alive. Like they were both moving. Um, Bless you, Alex. (laughs) So, so Joe has, uh, he's wearing gloves because he's pulling us on this rope thing. And uh, so he reaches down and works on the fish and gets the little fish out of the big fish's mouth. So, Puts them both back in the water. The little fish seems to be a goner by this point. And the big fish isn't moving all that much, but then it starts moving one of its fins. So we think, oh, okay, maybe we'll get going again. When we go to get the ferry, have Joe take us back across, it is like turnabout is fair play. Now a snake has the big fish halfway down it's gullet. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. It was craziness. It was crazy. I mean, I'm not sure whether it was a parable for don't bite off more you can more than you can chew or you know, eat and or be eaten. I mean, it was just like <laughs> which which adage is this a symbol of and is this yeah. like, you know, Washington DC politics writ large in nature? Right. <laughs> <laughs> crazy wow it was insane and i mean it was it was like the nature channel i mean i was like taking pictures and i mean the snake was big it was like three feet long maybe about as big around as my wrist i mean so so then uh so then got to go back to meg's house and take an outdoor shower which i love outdoor showers oh my gosh and so then headed off to the airport and i just thought as i'm getting on the plane i'm like i am probably the only person who is paddling on the potomac and took an outdoor shower right before getting on this plane right. <laughs> <laughs> <To be sure. laughs> well, you packed a lot into your weekend i did oh i really 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 did yeah yeah, yeah. so it was it was fantastic so um yeah. yeah so you took a you took a quick trip recently right yes so um we had um Saturday, I had my last, uh, or, or the girls on the run 5k, the actual. Oh, yeah. 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 And so then right after that, my daughter and I, um, took off and went to Ohio to visit my mom. Um, Monday would have been my dad's birthday. So, oh. it, you know, yeah, so it was going to be a tough day for her. And, um, she also happened to have been hosting her, um, old ladies book club that they have on her street. <laughs> oh, no. Is it officially called that? <laughs> that? That's what I call it. It's, you know, because so, they meet at noon on a Monday, right? So, oh <laughs> so, um, which that's just, that's a lot for her to take on. And mm-hmm. um, so, so anyhow, Audrey and I, my daughter, we went and, and um, got to visit with her and we, we did all the food for the book club and, um, you know, hung out for a little bit. And then we, we flew back in Monday night. Um nice. So I, I, I didn't want to pull Audrey from more than one day of school right now. And, um, but, you know, so, so anyhow, it was really nice to get away and, and get, get to see her. And, and I think, you know, it made the day a lot easier oh. for her. So. Oh, so thoughtful of you. Well, I mean, it, you know, she's she's having a tough time. It's It's been really hard. She's really incredibly lonely and oh. it's sad. And so and I'm, you know, and I, oh, I have guilt because I'm out here and I'm not there enough to help out. And, you know, mm. so, so this mm. was a good, good solution. So, yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. So, and did did the old lady book group? Did it go well on Monday? It did. It did. They liked the quiches that we made. Okay. Oh, um, and my from my observations, um, they don't discuss the book any more than does the middle aged old <laughs> book <normal> group. <laughs> you know, there's that little bit of brief discussion of the book, and then we move on. You yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I got some. My I was in a book group that read Anna Karenina, and I was, oh, and it was um. 
no, 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 not Ankrina, Emma Bovary. Okay. And, uh, uh, Matt Bovary. And so, uh, so I, you know, reread the whole thing. I hadn't read since high school and I was the only one who had read it. Oh, and wow. And I just was like, bad. really, really, yeah. really? Like, yeah. could you have told me that ahead of time? Because <laughs> it's kind of a long, dense book. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm still not quite over that one yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I've been thinking about you a lot since I am on the training plan that you designed, Amanda. And are you enjoying it? Uh, I I am. Yes. I mean, I, I quote, had to only run four miles today and it felt like, you know, literally a party. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, but, um, but, but today's show sprung out of my like, oh, how do I, you know, juggle this whole thing? You know, we tell people like, oh, you can always, you know, mix up your days and, you know, switch things around so to accommodate your schedule. And I'm like, ah, that's an easy thing to say, but it's a little harder thing to do. Right. <laughs> so, so, and I figured it's particularly tougher perhaps during summer months when kids are out of school, there's family vacations, maybe you're like you and me and want to add in swimming. Um, you know, so many women want to do strength training. And so this today's show is about um, that, how to adhere to a training plan during the summer months with all that going on. And um, there's not going to be any extra guest on the show, but Amanda, you're going to shift into the expert role as a long, as a longtime coach and one of the coaches in our train, like a mother club. Right. So um, let's take a quick break and then we will come back to chat about that. Like I said, today's topic came out of my personal experience of, of rejiggering the training plan. But then rather than uh, who wants to hear just about my stuff. So I put up a question on Facebook asking for questions from the tribe. And wow, we got such great questions, Amanda. It just made me so super excited about this topic. Perfect. So um, so thanks everybody for sending in the questions. And um, I've divide them up to um, two categories, fitting it in slash getting it done. And then we'll move on to questions about juggling workouts. So um, fitting in, getting it done. Alyssa wants to know, how many workouts can you miss before your training is really effective? And she said, between cold, soccer, and swimming for the kids, inquiring minds want, no need to know. <laughs> right. Um, we all end up in those situations sometimes, don't we? Yeah. Um, so I like to tell people that, you know, if you're giving in 85 to 90% of your training, you're doing okay. Mm. Uh, you know, so rather than really, you know, freak out over one missed workout here or there, um, you know, just kind of look over the course of, you know, three or four weeks and and reflect on whether or not you can get up to about that 85 to 90% number. Um, and if you are, you're doing okay. Um, I'm always gonna put emphasis on the long run and, um, you know, and or speed work during the week if you have that on the schedule. Um, you know, the other ones are, are the, the ones if, if you need to drop, I'd rather see you drop, you know, some of those or, or drop a cross training day or whatever it might be. So um, as a rule of thumb, I would I would I would use that that number, that percentage. I'd like to also say that you don't need a child around to make a mess. Alex has dropped his coffee onto the onto the carpet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's kind of cafe Olay uh, patterned, like a uh, textured um, <laughs> carpet. Also known as the perfect technique. Oh, he's blot. Yes, please. He's he's not rubbing. He's blotting. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I didn't understand. I just thought he, he dropped it and I was like, oh, it's okay. And then he leaves the room, comes back with paper towels. So. Um, what? Very nice. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm not going to let him drink red wine though during. <laughs> it's good. We, it's good we tape in the morning. Um, all right. So Christine asks a somewhat similar question. She says, if circumstances arise that force you to cut a run or two short, when do you need to worry? Or does it even matter in the long run? Ha <laughs> ha. Um, if you, you're hitting distance slash pace on your other runs. Yeah, again, I mean, I just wouldn't sweat, you know, a run or two here or there. Um, I think it's just, it's just a given that, that that's going to happen. And so again, aim for that overall consistency um, and, and really consistency is the name of the game. You know, I just, you know, if you can keep the overall consistency going, mm-hmm. um, that's going to help you more in the long run. And, um, you know, rather than say having big gaps in there, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right, right. All right. So Melissa says definitely the vacation question regarding runs. Like say you may be on vacation for five days and it might not be safe to run 16 miles there. Do you do longer weekly miles to balance it out or do the long run earlier in the week if travel time allows? Or do you cross your fingers? There's a treadmill that you can survive 16 miles on it, which Jen quickly pointed out that if you stay in an Airbnb, a treadmill is oftentimes not part of the package, um, as is also it can be difficult for mom to, quote, disappear for you know an hour, two, three on a what is supposed to be a family vacation. Right. I, I mean, you know, so I'm going to say I'm the master of this because I, um, one of the places we go every single summer is up in the Adirondacks mm. and, um, and while I love it there, and there are trails there that I get on, there aren't. There's not enough trails nearby to make um, a long run really viable. And then my next option is running on this just desolate one one direction road, you know, an out and back. And so what I always do is make sure I get that long run in before I leave. So we we leave first thing on a Saturday morning, and so I shift my long run back a day or two, like a Thursday or a Friday, get it in go during the week i just get in you know shorter runs up there i enjoy my runs up there but they're shorter get up early before the rest of the family so that i'm not invading on that time Mm -hmm. um you know and then i hit my next long run when i return so i think you know try try to get the long run in before you leave so it's off your plate Mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about it and then you know get in those shorter runs um you know if it's going to keep peace in the family get up a little bit early get it done before everyone else is up and then you're not invading on family time Mm -hmm. um you know, just, I think shuffling is the way to go to, to manage that. And I mean, I, I you know, I, I know there are people who like their treadmills, but I mean, I don't think that spending 16 miles on a treadmill on vacation is really... That, that's not my definition of vacation. <laughs> no, no. So you know, don't do that to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I have <laughs> yeah. to ask, where do you go in the Adirondacks? We go to this small um, place. It's, um, well, the place is called Timberlock, but it's on um, Indian Lake. Wow. It's very, it's very, very remote. One of the things that my family loves about it is you truly are unplugged. There is no connectivity. Mm. There's no um, no electricity even in the cabins. Wow. Um, yeah, it's very old fashioned. We've got boats and kayaks and uh, horseback riding and mm. everything's right on a lake. And it just it's just wonderful. I, I I mean we you know my kids have been going since they were very tiny and they still you know in their teenagehood mm-hmm. <laughs> prefer going there and disconnecting than anywhere else in the world. So oh, yeah, that's fantastic. That's a win. Yeah. Yeah, it's a win. And I mean, and it's a credit to the people who run the place because they just, they make it fabulous. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. We, um, I've spent a lot of time in the Adirondacks. Um, yeah, okay. my, my parents, uh, my well, my mom's good friends, they had a house on Fourth Lake and uh, like the mail was delivered by boat. You know, yeah. a guy had a long hook that he would um, take a bag from their dock. Um, oh, and yeah. then my uh, first husband's family has strong ties to Lake Placid. 
So, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, they are the Lake yeah. Pla- they are the Lake Placid Shays. So, um, uh, yeah. So I love, love the Adirondacks. It's a great park. It is. It is so beautiful. And oh, talk about open water swimming. So yeah. lovely yeah. there. Yes, oh. after I swim there, I can never come. When I come back, then I'm then I'm lamenting being in a pool. You know, <laughs> even if it's another pool, but it <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. Okay. So, um, Victoria had a great follow-up. Um, she said, will your training really suffer that much if you can fit in five miles at a time? And she said like five miles before the kids wake up five at nap time, maybe five quick when significant other gets home. And Danette and several other ladies want to know this too. And, uh, and Danette phrased it as is splitting a long run to two runs as beneficial as doing the whole thing at once, like seven in the morning and seven in the evening, which sounds a little bit like a song from, I don't know, (laughs) seven in the morning and seven in the evening. So, so what do you say to splitting, splitting up runs other than don't sing anymore, Sarah? So, I mean, my, my thinking on it, and let me say, I've, I've split runs before um, because of schedules, you know, like soccer game or whatever, and you, and you have a 20 miler and you, you know, just don't have time to get it all in before that soccer game or whatever it might be. But, um, so I, I mean, I think it's an option here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would still prefer to see you out there putting in the miles as much as you can in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, you know, there, there's a reason for that. There's a reason we do long runs. It's, it's you know, it's getting you used to being time on your feet, for one. Um, but it's it's also, it's building your aerobic capacity. And, and the longer you're out there, the, the, the better off that is. And the more mitochondria you're building and your muscles and all that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so um, I think at all costs, not at all costs. That's the wrong way to say that. Okay. In most cases, try, if you can, to do it all at once. If you need to occasionally split up a long run, it's not going to kill your training and it's Mm -hmm. fine. And, you know, um, so I, I would just, you know, work it as much as you can to get it all in one, one fell swoop. But if you need to occasionally do it, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and this is kind of related because I've always thought that a long run part of it was kind of that training your body to deal for lack of a better term at mile 16 17 18 that that all that stuff's been broken down and the system's slightly in shutdown mode but that you're going to yeah. have to keep going if it's a marathon yeah. or an ultra that you're training for so Absolutely. yeah so um so then that um rosalie's question is i've wondered how close my workouts slash runs can be there's a group i run track with wednesday nights at 6 p.m is thursday morning too early to run again no, I think that's fine. Um, just, you know, the next morning you want to, you know, I would, I would aim for coming home from that track workout and maybe making sure you get a little bit of, um, you know, protein into your system at that point um, to kind of kickstart the recovery. And then you're going to go down and lay down and go to bed and that's great recovery. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and then the next morning, you know, get up and, and just make sure that next morning you're, you're going nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's totally doable. Mm-hmm. And maybe doing any sorts of kind of a special, um, you know, cool down or some, some of those drills that you show in the train, like a mother club, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I would make sure, you know, you, when you finish the hard part of the track workout, you're, um, you know, you are taking a couple of cool down miles, um, for sure at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, again, in the morning, you're probably gonna be a little bit stiff and, and just, you know, make sure you get a good, um, little bit of a warm up in there. Um, you know, some, some five minutes or so of, of some squats and lunges and things like that, just to, to mm-hmm. get the body firing up again and, and loosened up and then just go out really 
uber easy. Right, right, right. So Abby asks an intriguing question. She says lots of plans have five or six days of running. She says she's on a three to five day, sorry, three to four days of running right now because she's scared to bring back an old injury. She asks if I keep mileage the same for the week by making the weekday runs longer, will the training plan still work? Yeah, but I'd still prefer, <laughs> I'd still prefer to see, this is going to go back to that consistency, you know, I'd still rather see you not piling on those bigger, longer runs three days a week, you know, um, and rather breaking it up into, you know, the shorter runs as written, um, you know, maybe split the difference down to, you know, four days a week. Um, I, I definitely, I, I mean, especially if you're training for a marathon, I don't want to see you only running three days a week. Um mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I, if, if, if you really have those fears, you know, try, try to balance it out with the four days a week and, and then maybe just as time goes on as you, and your body's feeling more comfortable and you're feeling more confident, you know, then try to, try to spread it out into the five day, days a week of running, you know. Because um, does yeah. your body know, okay, so let's say the weekly mileage is supposed to be 30, because maybe I could do the math for that. So that instead of doing three 10-mile runs, you know, doing six 5-mile runs, I mean, because if you're putting in the same mileage, and if it's concerned about bringing back the injury, isn't doing, I almost would think doing fewer longer runs would be harder on the body than more frequent shorter runs, or am I misguided? No, I mean, I think it depends on, on how long those runs are um, in particular. I mean, your body's always going to appreciate the rest in between. But I think as far as the mm-hmm. training benefits, you know, it, it's better to have the, the multiple days a week, um, just the consistency and getting your, you know, your body used to running more often. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I, I think I look at it more as a, a, a training benefit thing than I do a an injury kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Victoria has a question moms of littles will relate to. She says, there are a few days that I am unable to do solo miles for training. And by solo miles, she means unable to have the luxury of running by herself without kids. How many stroller miles equals equates to solo miles as recommended by training? Such as if a plan calls her five miles, can three be good enough if she's pushing a double stroller? And Tracy wants to know if she should adjust her pace as well when pushing a stroller. So let's talk stroller striding let's talk right yeah um you know i i don't i don't think that i mean it is harder no doubt about it and i i i was there one day you know way back when pushing Mm -hmm. a a jogging stroller and i know it's no fun um but i don't think you can really say okay because it was harder for three miles than i that equates to five miles Mm -hmm. with that so i think i think you know just it's 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 gonna slow you down um and you're gonna be you know out there a little bit longer um, you know, if you want to maybe split the difference, say if it's five miles written, um, and, and you want to maybe do four miles instead of five, you know, that's not such a bad thing to do, you know, but, um, but, I, but there's no real, you know, like equation that would, that would say, you know, this, this gives you the benefits of running X amount of time. So I, you know, I mean, I, I guess at the end of the day, aim for a relatively similar, amount of time on your feet out there. So mm-hmm. if it takes you 30 minutes to run three miles, um, you know, normally, and, and, and then you know, you're, you're, you're running two and a half miles with a stroller and it takes you 30 minutes, eh, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe aim for that, but, but, um, and then as far as adjusting pace, you're going to, you know, you're going to be slower with, with, um, you know, a, a running stroller and just don't sweat it. It's what your body can do. And, you know, aim for a, a 
similar perceived effort is what I would say, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of easy. Um, so don't don't try to be pushing that stroller at the same pace you would be running without a stroller, um, you know, because that is that is tough on your body. So, yeah. Right. And people, unless they're truly sadistic, they should not be trying to do speed work with a stroller or <laughs> like hill, hill, to mil, no. hill repeats are bad. B-A-D idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, as parent, as a mom of a teenager, I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Oops, let go of it. Oh, no. <laughs> Watch out for the truck at the bottom of the hill. Right, right. Oh, yeah. That's what the le- the little leash is for on the stroller, isn't it? <laughs> Did I have you worried there, Phoebe? Oh, no problem. <laughs> now you know how I feel. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. She's been very nice lately. I've been trying to think about special ways to spend time with her this summer. It's all good. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but but is that is the, should people you know when when at all possible maybe just be doing easy runs or long runs with the stroller and not yeah 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 mm-hmm. definitely not the special sauce workouts right right yeah yeah and maybe for um what like if there's strides at the end maybe try to end that so that you're just you know you park the thing at the end of your driveway and you're going back and forth along yeah. the, the right yeah yeah. yeah, great idea. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Look at that. I didn't run too often with a stroller. I um, it just it is it is really challenging. I mean, my hat is off to people who run with strollers on a regular basis. Or um, I agree. I agree. It was just no fun, and we did go to the double once my daughter was born, but um, I I'd never personally pushed that that often. I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I was um, Katie Ball, who's a lovely mother of ten. Um, yes, you heard me correctly. Um, uh, she helped at Ogden Marathon at the expo booth. And she was telling me, she said, oh, yeah, and I have a triple stroller I'm looking to finally get rid of. So if anybody stops by and seems interested, let me know. And I'm like, what did you just say? I'm like, that's what Craigslist is for. You think we're ran? I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm in Utah. I might very well find somebody who's looking for a triple stroller. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I profiled for, I wrote about running with a stroller for the New York Times a million years ago. And I met this really wonderful woman. Angela Keith, who lives up in Vancouver, just across the river from Portland, and she would run with her four kids. And she oh. had, if I recall correctly, she had a triple stroller and then would wear one in like a, a pack on her back or on the front pack. I don't oh. remember, but she had the most awesome shoulders. And I, <laughs> just, I mean, she's my total idol. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, well, let's move on to juggling. And I don't mean with, you know, balls and what kids learn to do in <laughs> fifth grade to work on their spatial abilities. Um, do they, do they learn my kids here in Portland, a fair number of them learn how to juggle in school. I take it. That's just an Oregon thing. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, the only thing I know my kids do is with a soccer ball. So, okay. All right. <laughs> and and ukulele. There's a lot of ukulele playing here in Portland. Oh no, so. no, yeah, that's that's your your that's Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> and I am proud of it. Um. <laughs> As well you should be. <laughs> so all right, so juggling as in workouts. Um, Elizabeth wonders how about lifting versus running. Uh, when should that be fit in the day before or after a long run on top of another shorter day? And Rachel elaborates, she has the same question, when to fit in my lifting days when my marathon training program only has one cross training day? Do I add a lifting session on a short run day? 
Yes. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> so, I mean, the goal here is to get, get the strength training in. Um, and, you know, whenever you can fit that in is when you should do it. Um, but, you know, if you really want to get more specific and, and drill down into it, it's funny when I was listening to Michelle Olson and you talk about this, you guys address this. She recommends doing it on, you know, not your hard running days, more on a, an, an easy recovery day. I like it the opposite. I like to... To, to, to double up the strength training with a hard running day and, and then get more benefit out of your recovery day, you know, so that there's nothing else going on but those easy recovery miles. So I think there are a lot of different philosophies and approaches to it. Um, and I, you know, at the end of the day, it's what you can fit in and um, don't stress over it any more than that. Okay, that's so fine because I love that you were trying, you were looking at the glass, you know, uh, half full because you were like oh because I want your easy recovery days to be really easy recovery days and I'm thinking oh because you want to make the hard day really hard and like really create some muscle breakdown and let's let's see that glass half empty yeah (laughs) perspective (laughs) Um, so well then um, I I, um, Heidi had a quick follow-up she said if she's lifting the same day as she runs should she run first or lift first um, I think I think it's going to be better off to run first um, so that you're not going, you know, not tiring your legs out. Well, especially if you need to do, you know, like speed work or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it, at the end of the day, if it works for you to, you know, get up and lift first thing in the morning and run later, mm-hmm. don't sweat it. You know, it's, it's not going to have that much of a impact on, on your overall training. I love, um, I think the, I think the mantra maybe for um, today's podcast is don't sweat it. Yeah, no, I, I really, because I, 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 I understand, like, when you first come to running and, and you know, newer runners, it, it, it's all so new and you want to do it right. And, um, but it really, at the end of the day, you know, you want to, you don't want it to be a source of stress. This is your source of joy. And um, it's not going to, you know, in many cases, the, the things we're talking about is not going to have major negative impacts, you know, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's nice to hear that reminder because, you know, I, I am a seasoned runner, um, which is another way of saying an old runner and, uh, that a long time old runner and that, you know, here I am training for marathon number 14 and, and I'm, I'll admit I've, I've been, had the luxury of having a one-on-one coaching. And so to be like, oh, okay, this is a plan that a whole bunch of other people out there are following. It's not just written for me and to be like, well, what am I supposed to do today? Uh, So the question still being around in experienced runners minds as well. Um, Absolutely. So I suspect I already know your answer to Courtney's question, but here goes. She says, I am terrible at stretching and adding in short strength sessions after a run. I just get in my miles and need to go. I have time in my weekly schedule for one class to help offset that. If you could fit in either yoga or strength training, which gives you a bigger bang for your 60 to 75 minutes? Strength, hands down. Mm. Hands down. Mm. Um, I, I, you know... Um, uh, yoga is fantastic, um, but I honestly, I, I, I know a lot of people are going to dispute me on this because I know I can hear them. Like, I can hear them yet shouting as they're running. You know, I, I, I know, I know. It, um, you know, I, I, I know so many people just love yoga for you know they, 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 the supposed benefits as a runner. You know, oh, we're all so tight, and yoga is not going to make you not tight and this that and the other. At the end of the day, running, you don't need to be all that flexible, um, and you're uh-huh. actually. Yeah, you just don't. And there's actually some efficiency that comes from being a little bit inflexible. You get you get more 
um, elastic recoil out mm-hmm. of your stride. So, mm-hmm. you know what? If you've got to split it between one or the other, go with the strength. Um, any day of the week. Yes. Because <laughs> I also think about what Sage Roundtree has assured me several times because I'm completely inflexible. And she's like, Sarah, your body obviously knows how to work with it. And, yeah, absolutely. and I'm like, yeah, uh huh, yeah, it does. And you know, so when, right. when my bar teacher's like, oh, Sarah, your hips are so tight, they're so tight, they're, I'm like, but they don't hurt at all. Like, they just know right. how to work just like that. <laughs> right, 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 absolutely. I, I think you know, we we get it all kind of confused and jumbled up, and and we have this guilt about being tight, and um, you know, it's 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 okay, especially if you're running injury free. It's it's okay, it's mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. and, and I don't, we don't need to really be working on lengthening our muscles for running that much so right. yeah I feel I want to give you a permission slip and you'll sign it like, you know, like <laughs> oh, it is okay for body of Sarah Bowen and Shea to be <laughs> inflexible and somewhat tight yes. <laughs> um, so Emma had a question that piqued a lot of interest on Facebook what to do when your body needs a rest day on Tuesday, but it works better in your schedule later in the week. She said, I'm falling into the bad habits of lots of rest between what my body and schedule tell me. And Jade had an immediate follow-up and she said, I totally need this one, meaning an answer. You look at the week and Friday will work with rearranging the program, but Tuesday you wake up and feel like you got run over by a truck. What to do? Probably not going to be able to rework the schedule to do Tuesday work on Friday. Yeah, so... I mean, I think, I think we really have to take stock of how, like, what does it mean to be run over, like, feeling like you were run over by a truck? What does exactly. it mean to be, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what does that feel like? <laughs> but I mean, I mean, you know, are we talking tired or are uh-huh. we talking injured? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and there's, you know, and there's a big difference. So if you think you're on the brink of injury, take the rest day, no matter what. If you're tired um that's kind of to be expected and i kind of think you should try to push through and again go for that consistency and avoid the big gaps that she's talking about that she's falling Mm -hmm. into this habit where she's finding herself like missing maybe two or three days in a row without running um you know I, i i think that um as you go along in a program and if you're trying to adhere to the days as best you can um some of that will just kind of go away with increased fitness, um, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as you go along in a program. So um, I would recommend, you know, again, if, if you don't think you're injured or worried about, you know, that, that you're on the brink of injury mm-hmm. and you're tired, I, I would opt for trying to get that training in. And also I would say, you know, re-examine what your evening is, you know, that, that, um, you know, don't, you know, shut down the phone, turn off the computer, don't, don't tap into the latest Netflix or don't sign up for Hulu so you can watch The Handmaid's Tale like I'm contemplating doing. Uh, <laughs> just say for instance as an example. Uh, <laughs> um, so that, uh, you know, because, you know, it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm going to go to bed at 930 and then suddenly, you know, you're, oh, just one more episode of Veep, just one more episode. And yeah. it's like, mm, no, you know, just don't even go there. I mean, the other evening, you know, coming back from the East Coast, I was um, I was there for five whole days, so I kind of got used to it. So I was so tired in the evening, and I'm like, you know what? Instead of even turning any electronics on, I'm just going to read for a little bit. And it was so much yeah. easier than to go to sleep when I felt tired. Yes, isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. So you just, um, I think particularly for training for a longer race, you know, there are some other things that have to give. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And that's maybe another um, theme that's kind of coming through to me, you know, with all of this. Um, and, and even as I see some of the new people coming into the program, as we're starting some new waves is, um, you know, it, it, you're not going to get through a marathon on a, on a wish and a prayer. You, you, you're going to have to, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's just, it is, it is time consuming. It is work and, and, and you do need rest and you do need, you know, to maybe let a few things go. Um, for this 18 weeks of your life. Um, so, which is... It, it is a marathon. This this is, um, will sound idiotic and sound like maybe I failed math, but that a marathon is not just twice a half marathon. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. The, the training's so much different and the race itself is so much different. And I just also think kind of the mindset that you adopt, and I, I'm not saying that to scare people off of doing a marathon because I think... You learn so much about yourself in the training, in the race. You gain, I know I gain so much joy and pleasure out of the training, which sounds odd, maybe um, talking about sadistic. And, um, but the, you know, it's just, it just, and you know, it, there's such a wonderful sense of accomplishment day in, day out doing it and, and then ultimately doing the race itself. And, but just that it needs to, it's a, something you really need to kind of honor and you can't just shoehorn it into your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to take a little bit of sacrifice here and there, you know, mm -hmm. to make it all work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think particularly it sometimes feels that way with a fall marathon here in the States that because it's, you're training through the summer. Yes. And, yeah. in, you know, I mean, in, I realize that people in lots of parts of the U.S. train and do winter races. You know, I'm, I'm talking to you, Texas and Arizona and Florida <laughs> residents. But, but I, you know, being being a person who grew up in Connecticut and now lives in Oregon, I think oftentimes about fall races and spring races as the two options. Right. And, right. Um, you know, and so then you think, oh, spring marathon, I'm going to have to train through the winter. Oh, that's going to be so dark. And But it's like, yeah, but there's that consistency of life because if, if you've got kids, you know, they're going to school. And, and so it sometimes is almost easier, I think, to fit it in when you have a more um, rigid schedule yeah, than, the, than the, you know, um, the lazier, slightly lazier days and longer days of, of the summer because, I don't know, it's just so nice. Right. You want to sit out drinking, you know, a glass right. of Sauvignon Blanc instead of going out right. for a run. Right. And I'm talking about an evening run, folks. Not the, <laughs> I typically stay away from Sauvignon Blanc first thing in the morning. More of a cab girl in the morning. No, 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 no. I don't drink red wine at all. So, uh, <laughs> and now it sounds like I'm totally making up lies. Like I'm trying to cover up something. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. I'm going to keep backpedaling into um, Stacy has an intriguing question. And she says, does changing the time of day of your training, oh, it's all related to, you know, Sauvignon Blanc and drinking. Um, <laughs> does, does changing the time of day of your training have an effect? I have been doing speed work at 7 p.m. as the sun is starting to go down, but due to a conflict change, I'll be running on the track at 3 p.m. Ooh, when the heat is at its peak. In addition, most days I work out over lunch, but sometimes I go after work or squeeze it in on the weekend morning. Is my body keeping up with my crazy schedule? Um, I, you know, I mean, I think overall in the big picture, it really doesn't matter what time you're training, you know, again, make it work for you. Um, 3 PM track workouts in the summer don't sound like a lot of fun, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, and, and I, so here's my advice on that is you are not going to probably hit the numbers. Um, mm -hmm. I know you're not going to, you're not gonna hit the numbers that you would, you know, at a 5 AM workout on the track or at a springtime workout on the track. Um, so give yourself that grace and know that your body really is just, it's, it's all about the effort. Um, you know, you're just, it's going to take just as much effort to run that 400, 10 seconds slower 
at 3 p.m. On a, on a summer day than it is, you know, earlier in the morning, um, 10 seconds faster. So aim for that that effort. Give it the same effort you would, but but understand that your time's going to be a little bit off and slower, and that's okay. Right, right. Although there have been studies that show that you can that your tolerance for pain is slightly higher later in the afternoon. And I'm not talking three o'clock because uh, Stacy, there's just no getting around it. Those 3 p.m. track workouts are going to kind of suck hard. So um, <laughs> let's not sugarcoat it. Um, but, you know, the, I, you know, 7 p.m. I mean, that's, you know, that I, I think kind of, isn't it kind of like the five to six, I think that, or four to six, something like that. That's when your body can tolerate a little more pain or, or like the challenge doesn't seem as great as it does at different times of day that you're able to have higher output with thinking you're at the same level of. Yeah. 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 I have, I have seen stuff like that. And, you know, like in terms of like, what's the best day or what time of day, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, but you know, maybe keep that in the back of your mind um, to help help you motivate you I guess yeah and I find that like when I when I'm on a relay race so that then I'm running at different times a day than maybe I am and sometimes when I do have to do kind of a later day because I am a diehard morning workout person and it's like oh this doesn't feel nearly as hard as that first thing in the morning because um going back to the you know kind of tight and creaky you know sometimes it's just the fact that I haven't warm the body's still used to being supine and not used to moving all that much right right Yeah. yeah Yeah. So, all right. So um, a different Sarah has a question that several women echoed. I would love to know thoughts on racing during training. I like doing shorter races with friends and I don't really like races unless I'm racing, but it must go along with the name. Um, but um, I, I wonder the best way to work my long runs or other workouts around a short weekend race. And Amy wants to know how not to hurt her chances at a goal race doing shorter races during a training cycle. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of doing, you know, a couple of um, shorter races during um, training cycles. I think, I think there's nothing wrong with it and it can definitely have some benefits. Um, I, I think that you just have to be careful with the number of those you're looking at um, and, and, and well, and the number and, and how you're going to run those. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna be doing a lot of that, you, you're just gonna have to give up the idea that you're really gonna be racing all of those um, uh, or, I mean, and and then there's also the, you know, the issue of, okay, if you're doing a shorter run, what do you do about that long run? Um, You know, occasionally, you know, like say you're six weeks out from your marathon and you want to go do a half marathon. um, Great. Do it. Don't, and do that in place of your, um, in place of your long run that weekend, even give yourself, you know, a few days of taper leading up to Mm -hmm. it. Um, I think that's great. That's very generous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I actually encourage that. I think that's great. Um, but if you're looking at maybe every other weekend, you want to be out there running a 10K or a 5K or whatever else, um, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice some of those races um, and, and, you know, or your race times outcomes um, because you're, you can't afford to take the time off to taper and recover and giving up your long run in there. So, um so I would say use them sparingly, but but I totally encourage doing them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And there's that word sacrifice again. That, right. You know, so that if you are like, okay, this is it. I'm going to run, you know, a marathon. I'm, I'm going to, you know, step up to the 26.2. It's like, okay, well, maybe this is not the summer to be doing that 5K race series that your town puts on on Wednesday nights or something. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're, you know, willing to do that and trade it off, like say, say if it is a 5K and, and it's a, a race series or something like that, you know, 
make that your weekly speed work. Um, mm -hmm. but, keep, but keep training like you would. And, and again, don't necessarily expect you're going to be PRing those shorter races. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Well, um, I think you g gave tons of great information. I know you um, helped me kind of sort out my thoughts about this. So thank you, Amanda. Okay, good. Well, I'm, I'm happy to help. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, speaking of training and racing, here's Dimity giving us an update on the Train Like a Mother Club. Hello, hello, everybody. Dimity here. And since for the most part of the country, Oregon excluded, school's out for summer, I thought this Train Like a Mother Club corner should head to the pool, right? To the waves, to the cool pool. But the not very nice pool, uh, as Elizabeth, who is in the triathlon training club, lets us know. So she writes, I am writing today mostly as a vent. I did my run, all good. I went to go to bar and was three minutes prior to class and the door was already locked, signaling they were already starting. I planned on swimming later, but I went early to swim and all the lanes were taken by middle-aged men. I went to the largest lane to share. The man in the lane ignored me. I got into the lane to share, and for the first time I've ever heard, he said no, super loud. I told him I needed to swim and I would stay on my side or follow him or whatever. He again said no. I just swam, and he got really aggressive with his swim stroke. The gentleman next to my lane, he was doing butterfly, so it wasn't easy to share his lane with that stroke. He told me to come into his lane, and he would just end his workout early. I have just never encountered this kind of behavior before. I really wasn't sure even what to do. I ran into some other obstacles today, and though my anger emotion is running high, I'm so glad I got my workouts in regardless of the unsportsmanlike behavior. Has anyone else ever seen behavior like this? Usually everyone is so nice, even if you don't want to share a lane. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, that's awful. Talk to the um, aquatics director or the general manager of the pool. And I agree. I just I just put out a little PSA, and I'm sure we're such a generous, um, accepting crowd around another mother runner and train like a mother that it wouldn't happen. But share your lane. Really, it's going to be okay. I had this happen to me once in my little pool, and um, the guy said that he had a really wide stroke. I'm like, 
Uh, not really, no. You're just kind of putting your arms in front of you. You know, he wasn't breaststroking. But anyway, so there's just my little PSA. And hopefully this guy, you know, some karma came back to him and his dog ate his kickboard or something like that. So anyway, that's it for the Train Like a Mother Club corner this week. Um, and we have a bunch of new programs starting soon. You know, it's crazy to think about, but November and December races are starting to we'll start to train in the next couple of weeks. So if this is something that you're interested in, definitely stop by trainlikeamother.club to see when your wave will go off. And um, as always, happy to answer any questions under the contact us button. Okay, go get in the pool. Enjoy your day. And I will talk to you all soon. Bye. Hey, hey, everybody. Be sure to follow us on social media. We just wrapped a five-day long series of giveaways on Instagram Yes, every day, one lucky gal, no, two, two lucky gals won one of our new this season tank tops. Get your own at the Mother Runner store. Um, And we're starting to do more giveaways on Instagram. So, but you got to follow us and know about them and, and then win. So please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at the Mother Runner. Thank you very much. Our podcast is a member of the ACAST Network, and our show today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Thank you.